This morning we're going to be reading from uh, the Old Testament book, 2 Chronicles 7, 11 through 22. And before we do, let's come to God in prayer. Father God, we thank you for this time of worship and that we're able to freely read from your word. We thank you for Old Testament stories that continue to be applicable to our lives today. So bless the reading, the preaching, the listening, and the active living out of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 2 Chronicles 7, 11 through 22. When Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord in the royal palace and had succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and his own palace, the Lord appeared to him at night and said, I've heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. And when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour land or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. As for you, if you walk before me faithfully as David, your father, did, and do all I command, and observe my decrees and laws, I will establish your royal throne as I covenanted with David your father when I said, you shall never fail to have a successor to rule over Israel. But if you turn away and forsake the decrees and commands I have given you, and go off to serve other gods and worship them, then I will uproot Israel from my land which I have given them, and will reject this temple I have consecrated for my name. I will make it a byword and an object of ridicule among all peoples." This temple will become a heap of rubble. All who pass by will be appalled and say, Why has the Lord done such a thing to this land and to this temple? And people will answer, Because they have forsaken the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who brought them out of Egypt and have embraced other gods, worshiping and serving them. That is why he brought all this disaster on them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to our God. This morning, we begin with a movie, uh, which perhaps some of the older kids, maybe the younger kids will remember. It's based on a Dr. Seuss book by the same name, titled The Lorax. The Lorax is about a group of people who lived in a walled city of Thneedville. It's not my lisp, that's how it's said, Thneedville. In this city, the plants and trees were all plastic. In fact, the residents could purchase a tree that has a remote control to change the color of the tree with the seasons. Since plants, we know, create oxygen, but all these plants were artificial, the people had no choice but to purchase their air, similar to an energy drink. The people were content with living in the walled city without any living nature surrounding them. They were content with purchasing air to give them that jolt of energy. They were content with how everything was. They were content because this is the life they knew. Now what shook things up a little bit was this 12-year-old boy whose name was Ted. And he had a crush on his dream girl, Audrey. And Audrey dreams of having a real tree, and Ted, trying to win her heart, of course, goes on a pursuit to find a real tree. Well, on his journey, Ted comes across the onsler. And the onsler was a greedy businessman. And years earlier, he had cut down all the trees. 
And so this resulted in the area around Sneedville becoming a wasteland. Now, upon finding how beautiful it could be, Ted inspired to undo the disaster from years earlier. Ted saw something better for the people of Sneedville. So this story is about how a boy and a city were no longer satisfied with the way things were. It's about asking, is there something better? Why we do what we do? Should we do better? Can we do better? For years, the people were content with living in the walled city of artificial Sneedville. Once they realized the potential beyond the city walls, they were no longer satisfied with the artificial trees and purchasing their air. They dreamed about a new world, a world with trees. They yearned about what could be. They yearned about potential and about renewal. Now, renewal is a term that is used to bring back something to what it should be, and often even better. Renewal implies not being content with the way things are. Renewal suggests that something is not the way it's supposed to be, and it needs change for the better. I mean, we often use this term renewal when referring to our environment. But our lives, our churches, our world, all need renewal. Our God is in the ministry of renewal. God is a God who desires growth and renewal in his people. And he desires his people to seek renewal. The context of today's uh, scripture passage is a prayer of Solomon during the dedication of the temple. And before our Chapter 7 and chapter 6, Solomon leads the people in a prayer of praise and repentance. And then we go on in the beginning of chapter 7, 2 Chronicles 7, 1 to 10, right before our reading. Solomon closes off his prayer, and then the temple of the Lord is dedicated. And the people of Israel, they, they throw this big party celebrating God's faithfulness to King David and to King Solomon and to all of Israel. The Israelites hosted some big parties over time. And then now it's in this latter part of chapter 7 where God responds to Solomon's prayer. And God reminds Solomon that Solomon and the people of Israel are commanded to desire God and not to desire so much the other things in life. Yeah, the temple is built and the parties are good, but don't think, don't get stuck thinking everything is the way it should be and now life can just kind of coast They were not to be content with the way things are. But they were commanded, they were called to seek renewal, to seek revival in accordance with God's will. Verse 17. Now there will be a a temptation for people to fall back into their life of sin and not be dependent on God. And God knows that. So God commands Solomon and ultimately the people of Israel to continue to return to him. He commands a renewal for the nation of Israel and for the people not to be satisfied with the existing state of the union. The people are called, they're commanded to desire God. And when you desire God, you seek a relationship with him and you you will experience forgiveness and healing. You will experience his mercy and his grace. You will experience new life in Christ. 
Now, when it comes to the nation of Israel, we have 2020 vision because we have the scriptures. Scripture provides us the rest of the story. We can fast forward some years and we know from Scripture that Israel did not follow the commands from God. They did not keep their desire and their focus on God. They did not humble themselves and pray. So they decided to follow their own agenda. And they didn't, I mean, they did change, but they changed for the worse. What happened with Israel is that they became a divided nation. And each nation turned to idols, and they gradually declined in their obedience to God. And they were eventually destroyed and, and taken in captivity, and even the temple was destroyed, as God said in this passage. They lost their desire for God. They lost their desire for His will. They were content in just kind of maintaining their indifferent lifestyle. Everything might seem like things are good, but ultimately... If you do nothing, it leads to their destruction. Like God just reminded them, if you don't obey, you will be paying the consequences. I think we can agree that many churches in North America, in in Canada, in Ontario, are in decline. And the reason for decline is similar to the people of Needville and, and similar to Israel. There's contentment with keeping everything the same. People are assuming that things are okay. There is an assumption that if we continue with what we are doing in the present, then all will just kind of fall in place and everything will be good. A couple of years ago, our church was involved in a journey. It was called Ritter Church Renewal. You probably recognize that name. And ironically, this journey was then renewed and the name changed to Churches Learning Change. But in this journey, we learn that a church needs to continually and intentionally seek God and seek his desired plan for the present and for the future. Otherwise, without awareness, the church will slip further and further from God's desired plan. It's just like Sneedville, accepting the fact, yeah, we have no trees. That's just the way it is. But churches exist in a dynamic and and ever-changing world. And churches need to continue asking themselves some tough questions. We should be asking questions like, why do we exist in this place at this time? How do we respond to God in his world? How do we disciple? What do we do? Why do we even have some of the programs that we do? Why do we worship the way we worship? How will we succeed according to God's desired future, according to God's plan? Now, it's fine to ask all the questions, but it's not only about asking the questions, because every church can do that. It's also answering the questions, and in doing so, seeking God's will for what's next. Church renewal begins with personal renewal, because people are the church. So how are we as a church, as God's people, seeking the Lord? and desiring for his will to be renewed according to his will. I think too often we focus on religion over relationship. And what this means, let me explain, what this means is that we want to make sure that we are doing everything right. And when this happens, we become busy in the church making sure that we are accomplishing this and accomplishing that. And then the tendency is, 
to be complacent or lukewarm in seeking a deeper relationship with God and with one another. Let me take it a step further. Here's a bit of a simple test for all of us. I already took the test. I didn't pass. When you get together with other believers, how often do you talk about church and about the issues in church? Perhaps a lot. Now, when you get together with other believers, how often do you talk about your relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you talk about the church and its issues more than Jesus and your relationship? I do. And I think that means religion appears to be more important than relationship. Has religion become what we worship? Are we willing to be renewed by the Holy Spirit into a deeper relationship with Jesus? Are we willing to step out in faith and seek change in ourselves and in our churches, even if it costs us some pride or vulnerability? For us as a congregation, we need to continually ask ourselves, what does it really mean for us? There's, the, there's our mission statement up there up front. Maybe the video folks can point to our mission statement as well. What does it really mean that we are training to become a clear reflection of God's glory? I have to be honest. I really don't know what this specifically means. I'm going to assume that if I don't know, you probably don't either. Is this just a nice slogan? How am I reflecting God's glory? Do all our programs follow this statement and train us to become a clear reflection of God's glory? Are our meetings striving to do this? Are we as individuals following this? Are we encouraging our families and those we connect with to reflect God's glory? Are we just doing church because that's just what we know to do? The Alban Institute surveys and studies several churches, and they do this on an ongoing basis with different things that they look at. One of their studies uh, has to do specifically with Sunday worship and how churches often get stuck in what's called functional mode with respect to worship. Now, this is just an example of one area, but it's an important area. Worship's important to all of us. But it can be applied to other areas in the church as well. Alban Institute states, quote, congregations over a period of time slowly move from a spiritual approach of worship to a functional approach. Now, assuming we are similar to other churches, how can we move out of this functional approach or functional mode into a spiritual mode of worship? A functional approach aims to focus on tradition and what always has been done to make members happy by keeping the worship the same. Functional worship is maintenance worship. The focus of this kind of worship is trying to maintain membership and maintain what it has always been. It's focused on the desires of the people rather than focus on the desires of God. The proper function of worship is more important than the experience of worship. A functional approach ensures that we do everything right. We stick to the same songs. We stick to the same forms. We have the same format week to week. We come in, we worship, we go out. Functional worship likely ensures we're being religious. A functional approach is not concerned about leading people into a relationship with Jesus. 
The Albin Institute states that a spiritual approach to worship, in contrast, wants to help people gain an understanding of the Creator's purpose in their lives. To understand Christ's presence in worship and the Spirit's power working through them. What does it mean to be a child, a son, a daughter of the King? A spiritual approach in worship desires to see renewal in people. Having a spiritual approach to worship is knowing that as we enter into worship, we can be renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit in us, even when things don't go according to our plans. You come to worship not to be fed. You come to worship to be renewed. Now, again, worship is simply an example. Renewal not only occurs in worship, but worship is one opportunity for many of us to be together, of course. But renewal can occur in various ministries of the church in all areas of our lives when we desire God and desire his will. Antoine de Saint-Exupéry, he quoted, If you want to build a ship, don't drum up the people to gather wood and divide the work and give orders. Instead, teach them to yearn for the vast and endless sea. Friends, we need to yearn for God. We need to desire Jesus. We need to hunger for what God desires the church to be because this is Christ's church. And so what does he desire? We need to yearn for God's will for our lives and for the life of the church, his body. And we have to pray for renewal. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. What can our church become? What can I, what can we become? I think this season of hopefully post-pandemic can open doors of opportunity for each of us and for our churches to explore things that used to be done and, and maybe need to be kept, of course, or maybe no longer makes sense to be done. Or to explore things to, that have never been done and that could be important now and in the future. And allow ourselves to fail and learn. I think it's cool what faith formation, maybe some of you heard already, maybe not. Faith formation is tending to change up the Sunday school program in, in the fall. And it's going to look different. And that's okay. We'll try it. See what happens. I hope it works. Maybe not. But we're learning and we will try. Council is looking at the possibility of doing get different governance in our church. What does that look like? We don't know. But we're looking at it so that we can do mission better. It may work. We might fail. We'll see. That's all part of seeking God and his will. Are there things that we can do to encourage and challenge those who are missing from our community, whether for years or maybe only months, what can we do to encourage and challenge those who have not yet heard the gospel message or they need to rehear it? Could we be part of the ministries that mentor and disciple those at a young age all the way to old age? What would we look like if everyone used their spiritual gifts to their fullest? Could the nominations each year for Office Bear be just overflowing with names? Can all ages partake in the Lord's Supper and fully experience the freedom in Jesus Christ? Yearn. Hunger for the vast and endless sea. Yearn, hunger for what the church could become. For what you as followers of Jesus can become in Christ.
Yeah, if you're building a boat, yearn for the sea. If you're building the church, his kingdom, yearn for Jesus. So this passage doesn't leave us high and dry. Verse 14, God provides us with a plan of renewal. He provides us with a plan to turn our life around. He provides us a plan to turn our churches around. And it's actually quite straightforward. The first step toward renewal is to humble ourselves and pray. Humility is a state of it is a state of submission that makes people willing to face the pain of self-examination and to confess our sinful pride. It's a total dependence on our God, not depending on ourselves. And prayer is closely tied to humility. It too is an expression of dependence on God. God's people are completely dependent upon him. Prayer is the childlike appeal to, to the one who is greater and the one who is stronger. And true prayer, by its very nature, is a demonstration of humility. And prayer is not about getting answers. It's about deepening our relationship with Jesus. Don't seek him and pray because this is what I need. Seek him and pray because he is who I need. The next step towards renewal that God requires is is seeking his face. Seeking God's face takes humility and prayer just kind of one step further. It moves the believer from humble dependence to a renewed relationship. Prayer is the ongoing, or is a conversational part of an ongoing relationship with God. And to seek God's face is to want a personal relationship with him. When we seek God's face, we're seeking more than just to a Facebook relationship with God or following him on Snapchat. Our relationship goes deeper than that, and it needs to go deeper. Because a deeper relationship leads into repentance. And true repentance becomes more than just words. True repentance commands a changed behavior. It's that 180-degree turn in our lives that comes from a humble heart and a new commitment, a renewal. Repentance is the knowledge of sin and then putting that sin behind us and then turning towards God in his ways. The changing of our behavior is the fruit of repentance. And we're able to visibly see a repented heart in ourselves and even in others. Turning away from religion to a deeper relationship with Jesus. When we follow God's plan for renewal... We will recognize God's forgiveness for us through his son. And this passage, it refers to the land being healed. But we too, the people, will be healed. Friends, if as individuals we are not desiring more for ourselves and for our church, if we are satisfied with what we are and what the church is, then let us in humility and prayer seek God and repent to him. Yearn for Jesus Christ. Paul's letter to the Romans, 12, verse 2, we read, Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Like Sneedville, like Israel, we ask, is there something better? Is there opportunity for growth and renewal? Because God is calling us to renewal. 
and he's calling us to be in a relationship. Jesus Christ went to the cross on account of his relationship with his Father and with each of us. He went to the cross so that we may be renewed, so that we may have all our sins forgiven, and that we may live in freedom. It is only through the Holy Spirit of Jesus that we can be transformed and renewed. It is only on account of what Christ did for us on the cross that we can be renewed. So let's together, as individuals, as families, as small groups, as a church, seek that renewal and transformation that Jesus Christ desires for his people. And together we say, Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you. Thank you for your relationship through your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for forgiveness and new life and freedom in Christ. Thank you for all the many blessings that you provide to each of us. Through the power of your spirit, may you stir each of us to desire you more and more and to yearn and hunger for what we can become in Christ and for what your church, Christ's body, can become. We are training to become a clear reflection of your glory. So let's not settle for mediocrity. Let us not give in to only a maintenance mode, but continue to ask questions and discern what it is that you are calling us to. Perhaps you're calling us to give more through our offerings or maybe to serve as an elder or deacon or disciple maker or maybe to spend more time in devotions and prayer. Maybe just to call someone and say how we miss them at church. But help us to be bold. To be bold for the growth of your church and for your kingdom. Forgive us for when we make excuses or when we spend more time on complaining about your church than being part of the change. We repent of falling short of your will and your desire. Forgive us through your grace and your mercy. And it's only in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.